Did you know IndyCars at Indianapolis reach speeds of over 380 kilometers an hour? That's an entire football field every second. Gentlemen, start your engines. Welcome to Motor Racing Passion, the podcast for fans and enthusiasts to talk nothing but racing. I'm Luke Blattman and today we're discussing the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500. From Jim Neighbors singing back home again in Indiana before the start, through to the winning driver sipping on the most famous bottle of milk in Victory Lane, the event has always been more than just a race. It's a, tradi- it's a Memorial Day tradition that attracts over 300,000 to the track on race day alone. It was first held in 1911 at the nicknamed Brickyard and has run 103 times since, stopped only by World War and this year, COVID-19. I've loved the event since I was a kid, and here to chat with me about the race today, as usual, are three people just as passionate about the race as I am. I've got my brothers Adam and Daniel, and my friend Brock. Now, I think my first memories of the race are slightly different to the rest of you guys, in that I I've, I, I know Indy cars, I'd seen Indy cars before the Gold Coast. My first memories of an Indy car is actually at the Indy 500, in 1988 when I remember mum and dad telling me that they were going to tape this race on TV for me from America and I guess for for a five-year-old they they explained it perfectly for me they said it was like Formula One cars just going around in circles and I guess when I sat down to watch it I saw there, there were there was a red and white Marlborough car in it so probably in my head I was thinking I was watching Senna and Prost in a McLaren but uh, as opposed to Emerson Fittipaldi in a, in a Patrick Racing March. But uh, Daniel, what's sort of your, your first memories of, of Indy Cars and the Indy 500? So Indy Cars was the 91 uh, Surface Paradise, John Andretti, Pennzoil, number eight, um, getting the win. But first memories of the Indy 500 was the 92 um, yep. Alan Junior, Scott Goodyear uh, run to the line. Um, and I guess equally that kind of, uh, historic image of the two of them in that closest uh, Indy 500 finish, along with uh, Andretti absolutely, well, not him choking it, but dominating the race for yeah. 180 laps and um, falling short. That was so, a really bad day for the Andretti family. Yeah, that, that race, when you just watch it from, um, was it, yeah, Jeff being in, he said at one point, I remember Michael saying that, Jeff and Mario both in hospital yep. and him still out there not knowing uh, what condition either of them were in. So, yeah, pretty heavy. But, uh, yeah, an iconic race, that 92 um, race. People talk about it as one of the classics. Yeah. If you sit through 200 laps, you quickly work out that 180 of them were pretty bland, but the final 20 has just stuck in people's minds a, uh, ever since. It's yeah. a bit like 2014 Super Cheap Auto 1000 in that people remember it as a fantastic classic. But actually, if you watch it, that's they've got the there was a there was a hundred safety cars, there was the big half time stop, and you know really people really people say it was a great race based off the last fifteen laps. Yeah, I've never seen that race actually. So. Well, watch get on YouTube, watch no, the last ten laps. <laughs> zero interest. Yeah. How about you, Brock? My first proper memory of watching an entire Indy five hundred. It was a bit later than you guys, 2005. Yep. That 7-Eleven Tony Kanan car. I don't know why, it's just stuck in my head. Obviously, I remember the kart series at Gold Coast, but that's not not the same thing. Yeah, so proper no. Indy 500, 2005. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good car as well, and he ran, he ran it for a long time. Yeah, he did, but look, 2005, just the shape of those cars. Yeah. I, I seem to love the 2005 era in all motorsport yeah. for some reason. Yeah. Yes. Now, what's your biggest memory of the race? Tony Kanan or...? Yeah, just that car. I don't know why I was 12 and I just yeah. fell in love with that car and I, that was the first Indy 500 I, I actually watched. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, pretty cool. That was the first Indy 500 for Danica as well. It was, yes. But that wasn't why you watched. No, I I just found it. I think I found... I can't remember how I watched it, but my family were never into sort of Indy car. Dad yeah. was always about touring cars and F1 and, uh, yeah, Indy 500. 
Pretty cool. Yeah. Very fast cars. That's my first memory. It's just yeah. like, wow, these things are crazy fast. This is dangerous. Yeah. That was Dan Weldon's first win. It was. In 05. How about you, Adam? Yeah, for me, um, would have been my Indy cars myself would have been the Gold Coast 91 race. It would have been a few years after yourselves, probably one time on a weekend when you guys were bringing it out to watch. And I think I, that was the first time I watched it there and thought, Gold Coast, how cool is this? You know, we used to go up there on holidays and everything like that. And then seeing the race and the cars going through that. But then uh, for the Indy 500 for myself, probably would have been mid-90s um, from memory watching it there. You know, you've got the Marlborough Penske cars. They always kind of stick into my memory for it. Uh, I don't know what it is about cigarette-sponsored cars, but I don't know, whatever you throw on them, they kind of look right in the right spot uh, for it there. But, you know... Alan Jr. was the one that stuck out in my mind straight from the bat. You know, he was in the Valvoline car, then moved across to uh, Roger Penske and ran through there for a first few years. But I'd probably have to say the early 90s was Indy 500 was where it was for me. Um, for It's getting back up there in recent years with it there. But, uh, yeah, they were my first memories of it there. And I think it's the iconic shot between the short shoot between turn one and two. I mean, they, they had the... Um, the flowers in the corner and when they'll come back from uh, the ad breaks or go into an ad break, they'll throw up the timing score and watch the cars you know, get right up close to the wall there. It's just that iconic shot when I think Indy and that's my memory of it is that shot there for it there. And unfortunately a few have come unstuck into that short shoot. So, so of all the things to do with Indianapolis, the, the milk, the singing of, Back home again in Indiana. <laughs> the thing you remember about Indianapolis is flowers outside well, the it, wall in turn two. It is that cut shot, yeah, when, <laughs> yeah. when they um, kind of flutter in the yeah, cars they yeah, go past, yeah. yeah. Oh, it is good. All, yeah. All, all the other ones there build up to the event, but when you think of like one of the things that stick in your memory, like those things are there for that, but yeah. That was an early 90s thing with the telecast. Yeah, they had the camera and the flowers. They tried doing it again probably mid to late 2000s just not with as many flowers. Yeah, I didn't see mine. Budget cuts. Yeah. Flower cuts. <laughs> so what what would be your favourite tradition of a 500? Um, for mine, it was actually uh, the um, parade the day before, um, the Saturday uh, before, before the race. For me, that's just obviously all the drivers parade through through the town um, sitting on open top cars the the city embraces it everyone comes down lines the streets um, I just think that shows how much Indianapolis the city um, loves the event gets behind the event it's actually part of its identity so um, yeah for me that's um, I mean the milk's good 11 rows of three is good but I just think uh, yeah just the way it over it takes over that town for the month of May or the two and a half weeks of May these days. But, um, yeah, for me. The, the parade is pretty, pretty huge. Mm. And even they send through the um, former drivers go through and yep. in it and it just uh, the whole town is takes off. The trophy, yep, leads the leads the pack. And, um, yeah, and it's a great it's – like, it's an opportunity to get up close to the drivers too, which I'm sure we'll chat about. But it's one thing I found so good about the event how close you can get to the drivers in gasoline alley, but also in the parade, like they'll come and sign autographs, fans lining the streets, um, stop the cars, jump out. So yeah, incredible. How about you, Brock? It's the flyover with the last uh, word of the national anthem. Yeah. It's just so American. I don't know. It's my favorite part of the race. I love it. And whenever they mess up the timing, yeah. I get so <laughs> Well, I was going to say that actually, they, they seem to get the timing pretty much right. Yeah. I think 2014 was like, they nailed it. I think it was Leanne Rhymes singing it yeah. and she was sort of stringing out the last three words <laughs> waiting for them to fly over. But, oh, I don't know. I love that. I think to see it live, that would be the highlight of my uh, my week over there. That'd be awesome. Yeah. What about you, Adam? I think it's the the whole spectacle of like qualifying. You got practice, rookie, rookie practice into qualifying. Then it's the whole bump day um, aspect. Like I know – when you had very much oversubscribed fields, like it was a big event for it. It's just something completely different, which how they organise their qualifying to completely everything else in motorsport. That tradition is just unique for itself in the fashion they do it. Uh, it's a three, three, three or four chances 
they get um, for qualifying oh, on bump day. Back in the day, it was originally, if you entered a car, there were four days of qualifying. You you could have three goes at setting a time. Yeah. But the moment you finished your fourth lap in qualifying, that was it. You oh, could, okay. You so you could, could pull out. You, you could pull out twice. Yep. And on your third go, you either had to finish the lap or if you pulled out, you were... That, you that was your time off, in. Yeah. yeah. Well, and... and um, and basically, that's why a lot of teams would enter T cars and spare cars because you, then you could, you could then try and go with a spare car. Well, that's that's cost efficient. Yeah. <laughs> back, back in the cigarette days when yeah. money wasn't an option yeah. for it there, but I think with that, that that's kind of the spectacle that you get. And how many big names? I'm sure we're probably talking that a bit later. But either they stuffed up their qualifying, blew a motor, blew a turbo back in the day everything there and weren't able to qualify and then it was the whole back backstage political thing of buying rides or uh, you know pulling other cars to 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 do things like that like it's that whole unique aspect to get it in and as they say it's the biggest biggest race in the world as they like to call it so well people would literally risk their life to and lose their life just trying to make the field mm. let let alone you know, risk their life for 200 laps in the race. Like people have been killed making desperate, desperate runs just to, just to try and qualify on the last row. I think to Adam's now, I think bump day is the best tradition mm. of that event because it's, it shows what, yeah, what people are willing to do to make yep. it in there. So, and it's created so many iconic moments that people talk about now. I think Willie T yep. bumping his way in, I think it was 91. 91. Yep. Yep. Like incredible. The whole pit lane, just coming out to meet him as he walked his car because the engine was shut off, I think, because they were worried the Buick was going <laughs> to blow itself. itself. And him just standing up in the seat of the car as it's rolling and the whole mm. pit lane coming out to greet him. Incredible. you got Roger Pansky, 95, trialling Reynards, Lola's, borrowing uh, Ray Hall's uh, Lola um, because his car's not getting yeah. into the field. I think Al Unser and Emerson tried three different car and en- oh, they maintained engine combination, I think, but chassis yeah. just to get themselves into the field and couldn't make it. And then Well, equally, if, if MR had stuck with one of his laps, he, 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 he could have qualified, but they didn't think it was going to be, so they waved him in. But and I think even recently, you look as far back as last year, Fernando coming with McLaren, and for that, and they just weren't quick enough to get it there. Didn't they get their imperial and metric messed up on yeah. the gear yeah. ratios? That yeah. was one, and another yeah, it was bit bottoming out through the corner. Yeah, mm. wasn't it the original test of the car at Texas? They didn't that no one had ordered a steering wheel. Yeah, that's right. And Zach Brown Something had like to yeah. had to turn up with the steer, had, had to well, find the steering wheel, and they himself. repainted the spare chassis because it wasn't the right um, shade of orange. Mm. So when he binned it. In practice, they couldn't run the day because they didn't have a spare car because it was off being painted in a different <laughs> shade of orange. Like just comedy. It was just various. messed up. But, but but you look at that. Like he didn't qualify, and you go back in all the previous years where a big name and a big team didn't qualify, they paid someone else to take their ride or did a deal with them to do it. But they they stood up and went, we weren't quick enough. We're not going to do it, and they just didn't qualify. So I think you got both aspects. Like you look at Roger Penske, you know build up his name around the Indy 500 and amongst other things in IndyCar racing for it there and did whatever he could to get there. But, you know, I know the want was there from Fernando and McLaren to get there, but they just couldn't get their act together to to get it on the grid last year. So I guess that's the, the steep. But I think it was, I think it was talking to maybe Will Power or Scott Dixie about like what they have to do on a qualifying lap um, at Indy was it's mind over matter. Like, you know you have to be at 100% throttle going into turn one and at the end of um, coming into turn three off the back straight that some of the drivers overlap their left foot over their right foot so they know they've got 100% throttle because there's the hundred there's drivers 100% throttle and then there's the engineer 100% throttle, which can be like 97 98%, but that could be five mile an hour on, on your lap there easy. And it's that whole thing of, you know, risking it at trying to go on there flat out on qualifying trim um, with it there to get it. And I guess that's the what you said before, risking your life to get on the grid. So I think that just sums up the importance of the race to drivers. The other one 
bumped a one that I think is an incredible story is 2010. Uh, Sebastian Saavedra um, was had a time he went to try and better it, um, but he didn't. He didn't take the didn't take the flag because he crashed. He was sitting in hospital. He was out of the race. Then Paul Tracy and one other uh, driver pulled their oh, times. Jay Howard. Yeah, it went slower. And he found out in hospital that he'd made the race after he'd crashed. Yeah. And it was just like just those kind of unique circumstances that actually play out through bump day is, yeah, which as we said before, I think that's, that's nailed it, Adam, from a, what's the most unique and part of this race. And I don't think it can work anywhere else in the world. Like you, you, you pick up that and say you put it in Lamar or you put it, you know, Daytona 500 or any other iconic race in the world and it doesn't work. Like, I think it's just unique to Indy for that format. It works at Indy. It works for the series. And for that, I just, yeah, for me, that's what it is. Well, I, I was lucky enough to go to the 2011 Indy 500 uh, along with Daniel. And Daniel has also been back in 2016. But the 2011 one, we, we got to witness a really good bump day. Yeah, which appeared out of almost nowhere. Yes, sort of. We were sort of, it was a, it was a, it was a wet day. But it dried out relatively quick. But there was a real lull sort of with maybe two hours to go where cars were going out and just just Andre Andretti Andretti racing was struggling. But they're they're in with, the field, yeah. Yeah. Um, particularly with um, Marco, Andretti, Ron Hunter Ray and um, Mike Conway. Yep. And they there was a period with about two hours to go where cars were going out and having a go, but the yeah, it was the, the sun, so the heat the heat had got up. No, yeah. like the track wasn't at a time where you were going to go faster. And then at one point, Alex Lloyd went out in one of Dale Coyne's cars just to just to have a crack. And then because the, the speed had show up when they finished a lap, and everyone was used to the speeds were way off, trying to improve anyone's qualifying time. So he goes out and does a lap, and then all of a sudden, the time the time flashed up that it was it was good enough to make the field on his first lap. And just the whole crowd, because we, we were sitting, we'd moved by that. We'd moved around during the day, but for the last hour, we moved in to sit behind the pit lane where the cars were in line going out to qualify. And just the whole crowd just sort of yeah. lifted up. Yeah. And you could what tell sort of um, crowd were you talking, like on, on qualifying day there? I couldn't do it, but Jeremy, it's one of those things. I, there probably was 15,000, 20,000, but around Indianapolis, it looks non-existent as Luke said too there was one of the biggest downpours I've ever experienced there in the morning at about 11 o'clock so we we went from thinking we'd get no running because it'd be rained out to then having so they qualified the final eight then this lull where no one could get near the um the bubble time and then uh yeah and then this last half hour went from nothing Lloydie comes out drops a lap and then that kicked everyone else into gear And, and you're right it just kind of enthused the whole crowd brought people back to the back to the edge of the track. Because I think that, that, that put Lloyd in the field. Yeah. And did it bump Marco out? Yeah, Marco. Marco, Marco went out pretty much. So Marco went out next and he pretty much just flew. Like he, he easily qualified in the field. I think, no, I think Lloyd, because then Conway had another go and he cooked it. He, he didn't go faster. Yeah. And then it was because Marco left the pits when the gun went off. So Mark, Marco's, yeah. Marco's lap to put him in the race happened after the gun. Yeah, yeah. And Hunter Ray was next in line. So yeah, Hunter Ray didn't even get a go. Yeah. So right in front of us, Hunter Ray's just been knocked out of the field, 34th fastest, and we're sitting right behind him and he's got out of the car and yeah, it was you could brutal. see he was, he was pretty, pretty dejected. And then all the all the crew, um, TV crews are in his face asking him questions. And was I think we saw later when we saw the video, he just he just said he never imagined he wouldn't. Mm. be in a position like this. And Andretti that year had two cars didn't qualify as well. Obviously they bought one in at Bruno's and Kira's expense, but um, yeah. I guess that's one of the unique things for motorsport. Like you think of that, like yeah, 100% dejected qualifying for the biggest race of the year for themselves. And you step out of the car and the first thing you get is a microphone in your face of asking, how do you feel? Like look at every other sport in the world for it there. They're like, whether it's a ball sport um, Olympics or whatever like that, they've got that little bit of time before they front the media. But it's unique to motorsport that 
I think get that football football's tried to recreate that now. You think they do their halftime interviews as they're yeah. walking off the field. So, um, but yeah, but, but at least the, they've got that time from the last play because the say the media gets in fifteen meters off the touchline, depending on where it's at um, for it there. So the players kind of got their time to catch themselves. But to um to to that, like you think of Ryan Hunter right there, he um you know straight out of the bat, you know. Get to Mark Van. How do you feel? You didn't qualify after you're next in line. Like I don't know what his response was. I, I can't no, he was he there. was pretty good about it. He was just like, we weren't quick enough. What mm. do you do? I have an important question. Yeah, hit me. <clears throat> Are the Dagwood dogs at Indy as good as the ones that were at Oran Park? <laughs> I, I don't know if I remember seeing a Dagwood dog, but they sold um these massive tenderloins, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They're yeah, awesome. They um, were impressive. They they, they they flop off the side of your plate. They're that big. Um, what were they called? Yeah, they were, uh, what are they? Did you get, no, 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 you you get you had, the nacho things. hats? <laughs> no, <laughs> is that, is that a thing or is that just in movies? Simpsons. No, I think, yeah, if you went to, if you went to the baseball, you'd get your Mexican hats. So you, you didn't get a nacho hat at Indy? No. Well, no, that's no, disappointing. No. We, had a, we, we had Brickyard Burgers. Brickyard Burgers. Brickyard Burgers. That's yeah, cool. that was pretty good. They, they were good. That was, but it, it was funny, in Australia, when you go to, you know, if you order a burger, you, it, come, it comes with all the sauce and all the all the bits and bits and pieces on it. In America, we, we ordered our Brickyard burger at the track, comes to it, it's you just pretty much get I don't know if did you even get the cheese on it? Yeah, no, no. That is it's just that that's it's just the American style. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then you, you go and you and you add on. Yeah, so you yeah. go you go to the condiment section and yeah. then you I think that was our first first mm. sort of um exposure mm. to food. But do you wanna know the best thing to buy at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Mm. Ice cream sandwiches. Okay. They're like, they are like like a maxi bond, but on steroids. Oh, I mean they're proper. The the proper the, American. The cookie part of it are the size of sli- the size of a slice of bread. Yeah, right. Just. <laughs> Do you? You love No, no. I was just I was just thinking. I was like, this is this is what the listeners want, <laughs> is it? <laughs> well, it, enticing them over to the indie. What are they going? Gotta, well, you got to eat when you go. To, you got to eat when you go to the race. Do you know the best part about? Indianapolis traditions as well is the fact that you can bring your own food and drinks into um, into the into the stands. Yeah. So none of these Australian things where you've got to pay ten dollars for a beer, you can go down to your local Kroger's supermarket, get your slab of Budweisers or Millers or whatever you want, and like fifty cents a can. Or yeah, and the yep, no worries. Bring your cooler into the um, crowd and just well, actually, that's pretty cool. On race day when we got there. Remember there were guys standing in line. They'd pass the coolers up, yeah, to to your seat, it's like and a then conveyor so, belt. So, so you weren't sort of carrying it, and as you got on the bleachers, sort of to get into your seat, people would pass it along, and then with your seat, and then you'd be able to shuffle your way down and you sit down. Your drinks were all there, and genuinely curious as well. Yeah. I'm a terrible photographer at racetracks. I it's always blurred half the car in the shot, and that's cars doing two hundred. So. How do you go taking a photo of them going that fast? Is it is it actually quite difficult? Yeah. yeah. It's hard, hard enough. I mean, the cars come past so fast, it's hard enough for your head to keep up. Particularly really? if you're on the straight. In the corners, it's okay because sort of, you know, the cars sort of come at you and then. Yeah. But on the straight, I mean, the cars, you, your head can't follow how fast Yeah, well, they I mean, literally, like I said at the start of the the podcast, it's, it's, over, it's over 100 metres a second. Yeah. Which is pretty mind-boggling. I can't imagine seeing, especially seeing a crash at that speed yeah. in real life. Would just be horrendous. And, and, and the catch, like the catch fencing as well, it's, it's quite tall for obvious obvious reasons as well. So even trying to get a shot, uh, or like a clear shot, uh, yeah. pretty pretty tough. So they they, all, they look like they're going a hundred meters a yeah. second. Oh yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Basically, all my photos, any clear photo I had was taken under under a pace car. That's awesome. Um, yeah, the, you could you could get a photo of that, but. I mean, is it one of the cars going full speed? It's the higher in the stand you are, obviously you're above the catch fencing. Then for there, obviously you need a longer lens to zoom in on them for that. But is that where it'll be a bit easier, probably to take a photo the higher up in the stand you are with a longer lens than being obviously right down on the fence. You're gonna get the raw yeah, speed of it there. If you're up in some of the vistas, the fork turns yeah then you can then you can shoot down and generally especially if you're if you're at the end of the two straights turn one turn three then obviously you're looking at them coming at you so you can get that's where you probably get your best shots but uh, to be able to get those vista seats is they go within minutes so but on that so 
obviously it's the whole month of May tradition and everything like that. So when when you both went, so obviously you've been twice and Luke, you've been yourself. Did you spend the whole time when you're there at the track or did you spend time away from the track in between? Like every every opening session, were you there every day or did yeah. you try and space it out as much? No, no. So the good, well, the good part about is I think from memory, Luke, we went bump day through to the race yeah. and I did the same. We flew, we flew in the Saturday afternoon, which was pole day at the time. And just the way things worked out, we couldn't, we couldn't get there. We got uh, d- we we went via Las Vegas, and um, worth it. Yeah, flew in on the uh, flew in the Saturday Arvo. I think we listened we listened to the um, yeah the, the radio the, broadcast the, the Fast Nine on the radio as we flew in because we flew over the track as well on yeah. the way in because I think there'd been a rain delay as well on on the Saturday. We flew over and then Sunday just straight to the track, and I mean you walk in and just the size of Everything it just how's the sound compare on say bump day compared to race day of the cars? Obviously, you've got up to you know two hundred and fifty thousand people there on race day. How does that sound? Like obviously the the cars are going to echo a lot more on say a bump day where there's fifteen thousand people compared to two hundred and fifty. Does that where you can just hear you know everything, and then on race day you can just hear your where you are yourselves with it no, with the well, crowd cheering and well, everything i was gonna say that on a race day too with 33 cars on track like that dominates mm. do you know what i mean whereas yeah bump day and pole day and things like that you've just got the one car so you can't you kind of get both do you know what i mean like it's there is that echo of that single um car but then come race day with 33 of them like that's all you hear mm. it's just that just the cars but to your previous question around the schedule so quite so say pole day bump day saturday sunday They'll run practice Monday, which is oh, not worth. not the year I was there. Oh, was it Tuesday then? Was it? No, no, no. So the year twenty eleven, I think that um, the Monday practice only came in when they fiddled with the oh, qualifying format the in twenty fourteen. Yeah, okay. Twenty fourteen, I think, was the first year. Twenty eleven, they had so bump day was. Do you remember that when cars weren't running, they just sent the cars out for practice sessions? Yeah. yeah. So um, when cars weren't trying to qualify, so. On, on the Monday, I think we went to the museum on the Monday. Yeah, well, and, and I guess that, that we, was, was going to be the point. It's like, so there's not track, there's not like a week of track action. Yeah. It's it's very kind of stagnant. Even, even some days with the support categories, they're on track for like three hours in the morning and then they close it. So there's opportunities to go to the museum, yep. go to Indianapolis, go check out the Colts Stadium, check out yep. the Pacers Stadium. Just Yeah, think, we, we did a couple of tours. Um, and I think that's the best thing. And recommendation to anyone who's looking to go is it's just like soak up the atmosphere in the city. It's a great city at the best of times. Block out yeah. a two week period and just. Oh, can't if, spend you, if that. you can have two weeks in Indianapolis, that'd be great. Yeah. You wouldn't be short of things to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, that's no, brilliant. Because the museum that's got pretty much a lot of the past winners in the museum as well. Oh, it's got a lot. Um, the year because twenty eleven was the one hundredth anniversary of the that's first right. one, and then Daniel went back in twenty sixteen, which was the hundredth running, and. I mean, 2011, like Roger Penske brought his collection of cars there. I mean, there was just there was just a lineup of red and white. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there was Ray Haroon's 1911 winners in there. Um, just very, very well set up. And but I mean, they've got so many cars that they cycle through it. Um, well, the, yeah. just on Ray Haroon, like just doing a bit of reading up um, for it and everything like that. There was the. One thing I found interesting was that every car in that first race ran a, a mechanic who was to um, basically check the all the, the oil pressure and um, water temp and everything like that and mm. act as a spotter yep. for the driver, whereas Ray Haroon invented the rear vision mirror on the race car pretty much and then ran it by himself. And after that, because he won, they mandated the next year that everyone had to run a mechanic in the car as a spotter because they thought he had a distinct advantage of having obviously you know an average body of say 80 between 80 and 100 kilos lighter than everyone else yeah. for it there so i know it's been it's become popular um popular popular history that i don't act i believe it's been challenged that he actually invented the rear vision mm. mirror i or think it's it- become like a popular sort of is it he, one of the American folklore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the American folklore like it's 
the World Series of Baseball when it's all American teams. Mm-hmm. Is it yeah. one of those? But, <laughs> you know, the, the Marmon Wasp, the uh, car that won the 1911 Indy 500, they, uh, in 2016, they actually ran that around the track. Who, who drove it? I'd have to check. There was, there was, there was um, our senior. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pa- I think Parnelli drove it in 2011. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, thing broke down. Like, a, but it, I mean, it made it a couple of laps around there, but just incredible that, yeah, a yeah, hundred years on and it was still kicking. Well, it's probably going back then. Like originally it was before the, hence the brickyard was that it was, I think about 3 million bricks were laid after the very first race in 1909 there prior to being a 500 um, mile race um, on it there that how much of the bricks, uh, obviously they got the yard of bricks going in, but how far does the yard of bricks go into the infield? Like goes through the pits, obviously. Yeah, it goes through through the pits. It goes into the um, past the um, pagoda. Yeah, yeah. Go, does it go into Gasoline Alley? Well, no, I think because I think where it passes, Gasoline yeah. Alley is beyond the start uh, finish line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it goes through the pagoda through the infield, but yeah. it do, actually it stops because it where it the, go where the road the circuit is. There's no line. Yeah, through that. Yeah, yeah. but. Because that was the thing, because on, on the Dale Jr. Download podcast, they had Roger Penske on for a, a, an episode and they asked, talking about the yard of bricks and everything like that and a bit of the history. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. actually went to the river ne- next to the track. And, yeah, uh, there's a little creek that runs under turn one. Yeah, he went and then dug out his own brick that he got from there where they just tossed them all in there. Apparently yeah. there's clumps where they dumped them. From there, so if anyone's wanted to go for a wade in the US near Indianapolis while they're trip on their trip over there, you can uh, maybe find yourself your own unique brick from the brickyard. So, but just uh, just further to yeah, to what you do during the week, sort of yeah, like you can go to the museum and you can go to the um to the yeah, get a tour of like yeah, we went to Colt Stadium and got a tour of that. Um, th- there are things to do, and but at Thursday it really starts to ramp up. Like I remember Thursday, there were people around earlier in the week, but Thursday it really um, got busy. Um, I remember the Thursday night we stayed a little bit out, a little bit away from the racetrack. Beautiful we went suburb to, of Broad Ripple. Went went to Broad Ripple, and that just was pumping on the Thursday night. Just all the pubs and all that. Or, well, and then bars, bars in America. Memorial Day weekend, so yeah, people are got the long weekend, so come come to town and yeah. trying to, and then Carb Day obviously is when it absolutely. Yeah, but the the thir- you can't do it anymore, unfortunately. But the Thursday night at the um, Indianapolis Showground, we went to the Hoosier Hundred, which was a a USAC, a USAC um, sprint car race um, on a mile track. Is that di- is that Lucas Oil Speedway now? No, no, That's no, no. One. So no, so the Indiana, Indiana Showground is a um, a yeah, dirt track. It's not dirt yeah. anymore, um, but it, like a harness track. Fundamentally, yeah, no, it was it was yeah. impressive. Yeah, so that was no, that was that the Thursday night. That was the Friday night. Is that four ten non winged USAC? Ah, uh, yeah, non wing. That that was Friday night, I think. Yeah, no, I think because we, I because we went to was it? It was Thursday or Friday? I can't remember. Yeah, I don't think it matters. Um, but the Saturday night, yeah, we went to Lucas Oil Speedway for they call it the night before the five hundred. And um, that that was when you had um, is that US F two thousand yeah yeah watch them yeah yeah Indy which uh, is the third well, wasn't third Indy one? Lights at the time it was the Infinity Pro Series yeah Pro Mazda or is that what it yeah Pro Mazda as well yeah um yep they had that they had all three faces uh, Luke Ellery actually an Aussie yeah uh, did he win or did he crash I can't remember no but I remember I remember yeah. he featured him. but actually the funny and then they had the the USAC midgets at the end of it and they were fantastic. Yeah, Sil- I was the like silver incredible. crown cars. Such a small, small oval, but they were absolutely ringing its neck around there. But our, our funny story of that is that, um, I mean, we, we got ourselves international phone numbers when we went over there. And then for st- we didn't realise quite how far out of town Lucas Oil Speedway was. And so then, you know, the taxi driver came out there and the taxi driver's all like, oh, if you need, if you need a lift home, just call me personally. Um, this is my number and I'll, I'll get your numbers. So we gave him out and he didn't want a bar of our international phone numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, freaked him out. But it, it rained out there. And probably for, there was probably two hours of rain. Yeah, I was like, we had a, we had some tough luck between yeah. bump day and this getting caught in yeah. massive storms, which is which is Indianapolis that time of year is known for some pretty crazy weather. There was a tornado warning yeah. while, whilst we were there as well. Yeah. So we, um, but to dry the track out, once it stopped raining, I mean, they got 
just about every car they could out of the car park, it seemed like. They had the tow trucks doing laps of the track to dry it there. I'm sure there were cars refueling and yeah. then going back out just to just to try and dry the track. And it must have finished about 2 a.m. Mm. Yeah. And then trying then, to get back into town. Oh, yeah. and then, yeah, trying to get out of there. And we had to get a taxi home. I think we ended up stealing someone's taxi, <laughs> unfortunately. Imagine that being a punter in the crowd. And then the, like, I'm sure they put an announcement over the PA and said, if you got a car, do you want to do some laps <laughs> to try and dry, dry out the track? Like yeah. for some, for an average American in the town, that's probably like a dream come true. Yeah. They can get to be like a, a nice black hawk to hover over. Yeah, well, the that's track. all they needed. They had the jet dryers out and everything. Yeah. And like it was just a couple of Chinooks doing laps around. Yeah, they, they, sh- cool. they should have. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, after that, by the time it finished about 2 a.m., I mean, yeah. we got to, we kind of got known till 3, 3.30. Yeah. And, I mean, we had to be up at 6 to get the bus to the track because it basically was only buses if you wanted to get into the track on race morning. Mm. And, I mean, that's mm. – it was just, yeah. But the, guess, the whole town just just on that weekend, just it, from the Thursday onwards, it's just – I mean, I remember we'd walk to dinner from our from our um, accommodation and you'd walk past and guys would be throwing parties. And, I mean, we, they'd invite us in. Yeah, they, they were saying, "Oh, do you want to come in for a beer, or do you want to come in for something to eat?" Like, pretty much, bad. I think when they heard the accent. But yeah. I think that that was one thing that I took from as well. It's like people were so accommodating. Yeah, like I mean, we were a bit kind of like, "Oh, we probably won't just walk off the street into some guy's house because yeah. he asked us to." But I was like, like they were completely genuine, you, you so know, excited. You yeah. hear stories about the the American travelers, so to speak, and everything. I mean, the Americans couldn't have been nicer to no, us. Host wise, they're they're fan, yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. That was going to be my lead in uh, to it from that was, you know, cool, that's the on-track and everything and surrounding motorsport. But the, you were saying before how the whole town gets into it. Like you spoke about Thursday, everything ramps up. But how does how does the town prior to the Thursday before the race, like are they, if you're on the main part of Indianapolis, you know, is there, everything's Indy 500 dressed up, everyone's coming into it. Yeah, yeah. So there's, um, there's just the signage, like, into, like the the city that, this is kind of what they're known for. So they fully embrace it. Um, there was a side of the, I think it was like a 60, 70 story Marriott um, hotel that's just got like um, an Indy 500 sign that went the whole way down the, the side of it. So yeah, no, they are, everyone's fully for it. Ask you, are you here for the race? Um, yeah, things like that. So it's, good. It's probably a bit different now, and it's more of a one or two weekend event. Yep. Compared to say pre, in the nineties and earlier when it was a whole month event. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably just come in for the race these days. Yeah, um, car, yeah carb day that weekend. Yeah, that weekend. So I think. Can you still in, call it carb day now? They're all fuel injected, or well, I, I know it's the tradition. They, they call it carb day, day not carburation day. Yeah, but still. But I think I think it's just, it's just a tradition. Could be do, to do with your diet or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> drivers <laughs> carb the drivers up. carb up on a Friday. <laughs> yeah. Eat your pasta. But yeah, it's so like which is crazy. But in the past, like obviously, pole day was second to the race, but now carb day outdraws pole day. Yeah, just because. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a few of our thoughts on our thoughts on traditions of the race and some experiences of going there. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have a bit of a chat about the twenty twenty race. Interested in supporting the Motor Racing Passion podcast? Head to the link in the description to get your official MRP t-shirt. Your support helps us keep the content coming your way. T-shirts not your style? Grab a travel mug, phone case, or a warm hoodie and support the guys and the podcast. Click on the link below or go to redbubble.com and search Motor Racing Passion for our exclusive merchandise. Welcome back. One thing we didn't touch on before, Daniel, you didn't uh, in the pre-race festivities chat from uh, your times going to the Indy 500 before, uh, have you got any stories about trying to corner drivers for autographs, maybe, you know, hearing around maybe a toilet lurking incident at all? Yeah, it's funny you bring that up, but uh, there's been a few instances. Uh, first one, 2011, um, the great Mario Andretti, um, who dri- drives the two-seater, he was in Gasoline Alley and walked past me. I remember going to Luke. I'm like, oh, it's Mario. It's 
Mario, the great man. Anyways, he was heading towards the bathroom. So I was like, oh, opportunities only strike once. So um, just just followed him in there. Um, stood next to him at the trough and um, yeah, said him my best. And did, he you said make, thanks. did you make eye contact at the trough? No, no, no. I tried to keep it professional. This is this is royalty in racing. But uh, yeah, so stood next to Mario in the in the bathrooms, and then obviously we didn't shake hands because um, that would have been. Yeah, obviously pre-coronavirus, but that wouldn't have unsanitary. No, no, no. We, we, we were we were our one meter apart, but still. So that was a highlight seeing Mario. So, so you that, didn't mid midstream go, hey, can you sign this? No, no, no. Kept kept it all business. No sword um, fights. No, no, nothing. Just just respect between two uh, motor racing enthusiasts. So um, yeah, no. So that was a highlight. Um, did and, you get his autograph in the end? So I didn't get him an autograph there. Years later, oh, I got right. his autograph. Um, so, so your toilet lurked him. Chatted to just, him. Just so you could sit, yeah. stand at a trough next to him. Yeah, exactly. And, well, I didn't, That's I didn't not think, weird at all. I didn't think I'd ever get this opportunity again. Yeah. So tell you know I me, mean? like I saw him and it just kind of took over me. So I was like, oh, yeah. So what you're saying is you, you can go to go to the toilet with the heroes of Indy cars yeah, if you're well, on the right day. That's what I'm saying. The beautiful thing about the Indianapolis 500, and that is you get your bronze badge, which is basically just your pit pass. Mm-hmm. Um and you, yeah, you can walk all over. You can walk into people's garages. Um, actually, continuing my Andretti kind of uh, fascination. So ticked off Mario 2011, then 2016. Um, it was one of the practice days. And with your bronze badge, you can basically walk all the way onto or up to pit road. Obviously, there's the divider, um, the pit wall. Um, but basically, I stood right next to the pit stands there, watched people do pit stops, Um yeah, car changes, the drivers jumping out, spoke to Tags, and then I walked down, Alex Tagliani, then I walked down to um, Marco Andretti, and obviously Michael was there on the pit stand, just leant over, I said, oh, Michael, can you sign my um, uh, program? No worries. I had a quick chat. He was good for that. Then Marco, after he was done in the golf cart, drove, like they've got these little um, metal fencing type things, he drove his golf cart into that. And he just shouts, he's like, oh, can you give me a hand? So I yanked the um, metal fence from under the wheel of his golf cart. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he said, thank me, thank me for that. Signed my autograph, then had a crack at my pen, said I needed to get a new pen. It's <laughs> like, thanks, champ. And, uh, yeah, so there was three Andretti's That's in the bad. space of five years. But it just shows you how the interaction yeah. that you, you know what I mean, Formula 1 races, sports car races, you just don't get that. Whereas here well, you were just walking, you know, side by side or, as we said, in the bathrooms. So. You do have to take the chances when you get them. When you get them. I remember when we were there 2011, we were, me and Daniel were just walking through the, um, just the shopping mall in the middle of, um, middle of downtown Indianapolis. And we're walking along and I've seen someone walking on the other side of the, um, the other, the other side of the shops. And I'm going, geez, that, that looks a lot like Willie T. Ribs. But anyway, I sort of watched him, watch him go. And I've gone, ever since then, I've been like that, Probably was Willie T. Ribs. And even if it wasn't, I should have just gone up anyway and said, oh, you Willie T. Yeah. And, yeah, the the other one was um, 2015 Australian Grand Prix where on the Thursday where there's no um, – me and Daniel went to that one as well. On the Thursday when there's no, um, there's no on-track action for the F1 cars, but you – they did the sort of an on-stage thing. And remember, we went to walk up onto the top of the pit building and this golf cart comes rushing up the side and then Nico Rosberg hops out yep. Yep. and they they whisk him sort of straight through into the paddock area. Yeah, I but I mean, if, if, if I suppose we could have tried to snap in a photograph or a, um, or a quick autograph or something yeah. in that and no one would have really got that. We, was just, we, were, we were lucky enough to be there yeah. at the time. But that's probably a like a unique thing to the American ovals and a lot of the American tracks or other IndyCar or NASCAR go to is there's no garages on the pit lane. They're in, they're, they're in what they call gasoline alley back in Indianapolis or in the infield for it there. But how close you can get up to actually, you know, on the crew, crew chief box or to see the pit stops. But you think here in Australia, you got to, Bathurst, Sydney Motorsport Park or Eastern Creek, as majority of people still call it. For it there, you can go to the back of the garage and maybe on like in a low, lower key outside of supercars meeting, um, you can go into the garages and see, look at the cars, touch them, do that sort of thing for them. 
and you can't actually get out into the pit lane to watch what's going on. But that's that's pretty cool experience to, you know, yeah. or just in practice walk up to like Michael Andretti in his pit box doing that. Yeah. Any of them there. That's pretty cool to see. Well, and it was a thing like I didn't – it just kind of happened. Like there was no explanation of what you could and couldn't do, but it was just like you just like, oh, I don't know about this, but – Take your opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. wait for someone to tell me not to do it. Even to the point that I walked up to where pit lane exited back onto the track mm. and basically so standing basically on the entire turn one as the cars are flying in there at 380, 370 kilometres an hour. And that, like, that was the most impressive thing that you're – I was 50 metres away from where they're actually turning into the apex mm. of corner one. So, yeah, incredible. We could actually – I'll put – we'll post some of those videos up on the – Matter Racing Passion um, Facebook, page. Facebook page just to give people like, like an appreciation of how close you can actually mm. get and the just the sounds and the visuals. Um, yeah, no, we'll get them up and keep checking the page because we put a lot of uh, a lot of different photos and things like that up there from all types of motorsport. Was it 2011, the year the Hot Wheels jump and the trophy truck was? Yeah, Reese Millen. Yep. Yep. No, we wondered what that big thing was. Looking like a Hot Wheels track. Yeah, that was up there and they sort of no one really said much about it. Then on race morning they did the um did the jump. Then he, he he did the jump and landed and then he spun off into the sand trap on the F one course and they left the car there all race. It was sitting on the inside of the um inside of the uh inside of the oval. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the sand trap. Just left it there all race. So what uh what would be your favorite five hundred race car? in the history of the event? As I said before, 2005, 711 car. Yeah. So you'd be liking the uh, Tony Canaan's 2014 car. Sorry, 2020 car, number 14 from this year. Yeah, but the 2005 cars looked better. Yeah. The Delara IR05, I I think it was. Yeah, Yeah, they were a good-looking car. Um, Favourite livery is probably the Paginot one from last year, the Fluoro. Menards. Menards Coliseum. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Fluoro (laughs) Fluoro. Yeah. How about you, Adam? Oh, for me, it's toss up for that um, between the Valvoline Alonso cars. Yeah. Uh, for that, that, that's a very iconic car from Indy there, or just the Marlboro Penske um, cars for yep. over the years. Like as you said, it, you, you can almost look at it thinking it's a McLaren Marlboro car. What about there? What about a, a Marlboro Patrick car? Oh, well, Marlboro looks good and there wasn't much difference from it, but just ju- 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 <laughs> just from the perspective of a Penske car um, for it there. Um, the only difference was the Patrick car was number 20. Yeah. But, yeah, for the, them, out, out of them, there were just two good-looking cars. And as, as I said earlier, I think that was my favourite kind of shape and everything of the yeah. cars from there. How about you, Daniel? Uh, so the 1980 winner, the Pennzoil Chaparral, uh, Johnny Rutherford, Taking the uh, checker that year, just the the advancements of technology, and when that one dropped, obviously um, taking the uh, um, correct me here, Luke, but the the Venturi's under the yeah, ground uh, effects. Ground effects. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, and just obviously the car was in another league. Yeah. Um, but to get that through, so I think that obviously just shifted the game um, to another level. Uh, but also, yeah, so just that. Technological, it looked the Penzoil colors there yeah. looked looked an absolute treat, and um, yeah, I'm always a bit of a JR fan too. So. Yeah, my mine would be from a similar period. The um, '82 Gordon Johncock Wildcat mm. yeah. would be my favorite. So the STP colors, and I always thought, and the '82 race would be one of my one of my favorite races as well. Um, but pro. It'd be up there, but I'd say my favourite Indy race would be the 91 Indy 500 or the 93. It's a hard choice. 93 was very good. The only problem with 93 was that was the, that was the race when Channel 9 didn't show it. <laughs> so it took me a lot, many, many years before I actually got to see that race because Channel 9 had some contract um, problems, which is a shame because they were going to show qualifying in 93 as well but they, due to some contract problems with the track, they didn't end up showing anything. So it took me a long time before I saw it, but it was a it was a really good race. But I think 1991, Rick Mears' fourth win, his battle with uh, Michael Andretti yeah. at the end. I reckon that takes it, that the way he ran him down, put a, put yeah. a move on And the him. way he worked on the car all race. Yeah. Like he was sort of nowhere earlier on and he just worked his way through. 
that's probably my favourite race. Um, what about you, Daniel? Oh, it's been, Jeremy, when you think of 100, 100 plus races, um, so obviously from a personal point of view, it was a pretty dud race, but Will Power winning 2018, that, that was that was, it was It was a proper race, though. It was a proper race, yeah. It's just compared to when we talk of Mears running down Andretti on the yeah, last yeah. Uh, the last uh, stint of the race. Um, 2014, so Hunter Ray and Catherine yeah. Evers, um, and the move that Hunter Ray pulled off into turn three was probably one of the ballsiest things I've seen on a racetrack at those speeds. I thought 2015 was quite good as well. Yeah, Power um, Montoya going head-to-head. Yeah, head. The last, was, last stint was pretty good. That was, yeah. And even so, those last 10 laps, they swapped positions. So that's yeah. that's a very uh, good mention. Oh, so yeah, that's quite good. 95, 95, when you go Villeneuve coming from two laps back, that's that's a pretty incredible. It's pretty unheard of like yeah. for, for that because you got done for what, speeding. Speeding the pit lane was one and then – Didn't he overtake someone? Yeah. 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 But it just the way he chipped away, but that was super, super impressive. Because um, that was the last year before the split. Wasn't it? Yeah. And then 96 until two, late 2000. 2008 was yeah, the first, first one back. Reunification, yeah. if I mean, you call it that. a lot of the cart teams had come back to do 2000, India. 2001, 2002. So. Mm. Yeah. So, and then, you know, go through what, um, Jimmy Clark, 65 winning. Like that's, um, yeah, there's so many. Yeah. So many. Good Graham Hill as well. 66. 66. Yeah. yeah, he took the lead off Jackie Stewart with yeah. not long to go. How about you, Brock? Any race with Montoya in it. Yep. Yep. 2000. So 2000 or 2015. <laughs> <laughs> I liked 15. 15, yeah. Yep. But if if it's got Montoya in it, yeah, it's my favourite Indy 500. Well, he only did. He did 2000. He did 2000. Oh, that's what made 14, him so special. 14, 15, 16, 17. That's what made him special. Yeah. Did he, did he do 17? I don't think he did. Yeah. Oh, he did who, who did he did the uh, the Fitzgerald number twenty two? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think he finished yep. fifth. Yeah, that was, he, no, he, he, he was the fifth car that year. Good call, and then yeah, that's when uh, and then Penske dropped him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how about you, Adam? Well, for me, well, look, looking at it there, uh, said before, big Al Junior fan back in the day for it ninety two, um, where where he won Pipped him. Just looking at the notes I took for it there, I think it was point oh four three seconds. Yeah, the winning margin by for it there. That, that was a pretty iconic close race um, for it there. But even come back to 2006, that's probably another one that sticks in my mind with Sam Hornish oh, Jr. There, he drove a ripper last couple of laps. Yeah, to get in. I think there was a caution, a safety car caution was thrown, uh, I think, well, inside the last 15 laps in there and just well came onto the race. Last corner, got a good run um, for it there. I think uh, Michael Andretti, um, and the Andretti green cars were in, I think they were in the top three and were in the top five in that. But yeah, just good run come off it. And I think it was another eight eight years before another American won um, after that. It was all internationals uh, from there. Well, actually, if we just to flick back, so I mean, in the fact you mentioned there about the Americans winning, over many years you kept... You kept reading things about saying the problem with the Ameri- uh, the popularity of American open wheel racing was the fact that Americans weren't winning or weren't in a lot of the front running seats. But I mean, one thing I picked up from going to the 2011 Indy 500 was how popular Tony Kanaan and Helio Castroneves were. Yeah, huge. I mean, the crowd didn't really cheer louder for anyone other than them. Yeah. To the point where Danica Patrick would get roundly booed. Oh really? Oh yeah. So it, it was it was fifty fifty. There was you like, like they were divided. Yeah, like they were divided. Late, late in the race, so she took the lead with probably ten laps to go. The way the fuel cycles all yes, worked correct. out, yeah. and I mean there were a lot of boos where we were sitting in the crowd, mm. and then Bertrand Baguette, fundamentally an unknown Frenchman, and definitely unknown to a lot of the crowd. I'm sure he he passed her and took the lead with about probably six or seven laps to go. And I mean, the crowd just cheered. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think it was it was really parochial in terms of people have either loved or hated it. Yeah, and, um, and yeah. Do you think that was because of how blunt she would come? Like she was a racer, no, in that she that, was like very much. You know, she called. She just spoke her mind. Yeah, no, but I, oh, from the experience we had, it was just people. Uh, obviously. She got promoted quite heavily by IndyCar at the time yeah. because, you know what I mean? And trying to get 
Yeah, which quite fair enough. And obviously some people took exception to that. They yep. didn't feel like she'd earned it. So it, to be honest, I think it was people just feeling threatened that mm. here was this but I think as lady we said, being super successful. And yeah. I think as we said earlier, if you can land it on the 33 for what you have to do to make it in the 33, that's enough there. Well, yeah. Do you know what I mean? and she, went with, she went within four laps of winning in 2005 yeah. as well. So, yeah. Look, just quickly on it though, and I think a cool story in that as well was um, – uh, Uncle Bobby's last win, yeah, and but that was decided three months after or pretty, a couple of legal, yeah, legal yeah, battles. Couple, I think yeah. Bobby that, Rahal. No, Uncle no, Uncle Bobby. Bobby oh, Bobby Hunter. Yeah, so right. it was him, and he passed Mario or someone. No, he'd uh, worked out that the basically you, you, where there was he'd found a loophole in the rule where the pit lane ended. Yeah. So generally, people said, "Well, when you where the end of the pit lane." is at the end of the wall into turn one that's the end of the pit lane but the rule said you had to stay on the on the sh- on the um apron Infield. on the apron through turn one turn two so then he said well if i stay on the apron then i'm i'm technically in pit lane so he drove out and he passed all these cars on the apron to come out so initially he, he was disqualified after the race for passing cars under yellow um he passed oh, 10 cars or something. But he got awarded the trophy, did he? And then he got On the day, yeah. yeah, yeah. The then next he... morning when they released the official results, um, they announced Mario Andretti as the winner. So then it was uh, Bobby Hunter and... protested field. And eventually there was footage that showed that Mario did the same thing. So I whether they threw out, whether they then gave Mario the same penalty they gave Bobby Hunter, um or whether they just threw out Bobby Unser's penalty, I'm not sure. Yeah, no. Well, so from from what I've read, yeah, then basically they just reinstated um, Bobby. So it was Bobby right, and Mario. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really, from Australian point of view, they should have thrown out Bobby and Mario, and Australian Vern Schupen would have won because <laughs> he came third. But uh, so moving forward to the 2020 race, who coming up this weekend? Who's your favourite to win? So, looking at how the season's kind of been going the moment um can't look past scott dixon at the moment ironic in terms of with the victories that he's had early on in the 2020 season he's now the second most winningest driver behind aj foyt yet he's only got one indianapolis 500 win and that was 12 years ago i think he's about i'm sort of the same i think he's about due he's due and he's look looking looking good he's got the new engineer uh working on the nine car so he yeah, you know, in terms of pre-race favourites, he's looking very good. Yep. Um, and obviously, Joseph Newgarten is not far away too. He's only it's Penske about driver. his turn to win. Yeah, if you drive exactly. for a Penske, they seem to share it around. Yeah. So, how about you, Brock? Pagano. Yeah, love him. Love his car. So I'm, I'm going to back my man. Does the fact he won last year have anything to do with it? Um, no. I just, or is it just the colour of the car? That's it's the colour of the car. Around? I like him. I've just got a feeling. Yeah, he's going to back-to-back it. I do love the Menards paint job. Mm. Always have. Even when they were fluoro green with Quaker State mm. or they were dark blue with John Mansville or, or the the original bright yellow ones back in the early 90s. How about you, Adam? Well, yeah, I guess you can't go off the form so far. Like Dixon's been, you know, out front, especially on the ovals, um, out front there, you know, being, being an Aussie. I'd like to see Will Power... Um, get up there, but him and his Penske just haven't had the speed so far there. Like he's been up the bounce. Steady, just, no, well, no, no, no he, luck. He has been on pole. He's, he's led you've races. You've upset Daniel yeah. now. I have. You've I upset have. Daniel. No, no, but no, like he, he, you can have a go at his consistency, but you can't have a go at his speed. That's outrageous. Well, I guess in to I guess justify my answer <laughs> in that being meaning in his the speed back pedal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in that, like encompassing where. The whole race so far in that, like, I know coming out at Texas at the first race probably wasn't a good um, a, a good form guide, you know, laying off there. He was towards the front, but then he did have the pit, pit stop pit yep. stop issue there for that. And then obviously going off at Road America, he had his issue on the Saturday and then a few errors on the Sunday. Finished second yeah. on the Saturday. Yeah, yeah, but if he didn't, if he didn't have that issue on the Saturday and the pit stop, yeah, would have good, won. Good, good chance he would have won yeah. um, for it there. But um, uh, I guess you, know, you, you can't really discount any of the Ganassi cars 
um, out there. I guess we'll see how it go this year with uh, Ro- Roger Penske owning Indy this year. Yeah. Like that'll be a big, big thing. First Indianapolis there for it's at. So I reckon it would shape up to be a good race. And you know, they always throw out that um, that you always get an odd uh, an odd car at the front. Yeah, my there. my my dark horse is really random. It's mm. Ericsson. Yeah, uh, really. I don't know. Yeah, no quality team. He's oh, got a Ganassi oh, yeah. car, so yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So how about Helio for the eleventh time? He'll be going for his fourth win. How do we? Do you think and, he's got a chance? And maybe his final time. So. You don't think he might go to another team? I, I'd, I'd be surprised. You see, like looking at TK, how he's um, Tony Kanan's been going. I think watching that, he'd be reluctant to go unless it's a Ganassi or one of those top teams. How will he go? I think I think he'll be up there. I think he's got a chance if you're in a Penske. Yeah, and if you you only need to be somewhere for the last yellow, and if he's got a good setup, he can. Yeah, I just yeah. I, the, so the only thing looking at last year was he just struggled with not being in the car week in week out kind of thing. So you never rule him out. Um, but I think when you're looking at that Penske team and you've got. Joseph, um, Paginode, and then Power yeah. along with Dixon. I just think it's going to be hard for him. Did you? Th- would you have thought after 2009 we'd still be asking, is he going to get a fourth in 2020? Yeah. Well, that's yeah, it. To win three that three quickly. In, he had th- won three in his first nine and then he's had nothing since. It's the beauty of the Speedway, Luke. It doesn't owe you anything. Yeah. What about – how do you reckon Alonso will go, Adam? Oh, I think you'll have a chance. Can he gra- grab the triple crown? That's probably, I guess, everyone's first thing they always ask when you know when you see his name on the entry list um, for it. There, can he repeat what Graham Hill did um, for it? There, um, will we see it again if he does pull it off? Will we see another driver do it in the modern day? Especially harder now that you know Monaco and the Indy Five Hundred on the same weekend yeah. um, for it. There, usually, yeah. Yeah, usually for it there. Obviously not this year yeah. um, for it there. But, yeah, like, you know, anything can happen in India, as they say. So might be his last chance of him going back to Renault next year. Potentially, but I, I think it's also worth mentioning, let's hope Montoya gets his Lamar entry in. That's and, good. And he, he, he might beat him to it. Yeah. yeah. Montoya, he's, he's one of my, my favourites. But, I mean, Alonso was in with a good chance in our 2018 until his engine expired, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, 17. Yeah. 17, yeah. sorry. So you're going to stay up all night to watch this weekend's race, Brock? Or I will. Yeah, well, I will. Monday yeah, off try, work? Try and sneak half a day off work, yeah. which will probably turn into a full day. Yeah, screw it. Why not? Yeah, yeah come All day off. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Adam? Yeah, most, yeah I'll, I think I'll get up and get give it a watch this year for it. For that, usually previously I've kind of either taped it and watched it the – the following night for it there. But yeah, I think, you know, with the, uh, the, this year being a little bit different um, for it's at, yeah, why not stay up or get up early and watch it yeah. from there. So well, look, the race is starting a little bit later um, in America, 2.30 start, which will be, I would reckon about 5.30 Australian time, 4.30, 5.30 Australian time. Yeah, give or take. Um, for the start of the race, which is a bit later than normal, but still worth the stay up all night. Have you got like a special tradition, Daniel, to stay up all night for uh, watching the start of the race? It, yeah, when it was at 2.30, so obviously that's kind of um, – doesn't give you one option or the other. You're kind of caught, so I'd usually stay up. If it's at 4.30, I think I'll just uh, yeah. get well, up you, sleep you, and get up and go for it. But, yeah, usually – Usually the, you can team it up with the Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But, and then usually trail it into the Coke 600. <laughs> yeah. So, if, so, you, if you can. You know what? Yeah, on all this, can. like you have to take Monday off work, don't you? Yeah. There's no way you can do all three of them and no. go to work on Monday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was always the perfect run-in. Yeah, go yeah. Monaco Grand Prix into Indy. that. Yeah, as a standalone this year, yeah, I think it'll be a, just time you run. But a special uh, indie this year. Yeah, and then just build up in the couple of days beforehand watching some, uh, some previous Small races. Boat. Yeah. Well, just before we go um, – is there a quote, a favourite quote that sort of just sums up what the Indy 500, what what means to you? Like what um, what gets you going? What gets you excited for the race? One that uh, I enjoy listening to, always puts a smile on my face, um, is Will Power's slow down lap after winning the uh, 2018 race. 
him and his uh, crew chief, um, I think it's Dave Fastino, uh, congratulating each other on the um, on the radio. And as he's driving down, he just screams like at the top of his lungs, like manic. And then he he utters the words, "Show me respect, motherfuckers." Which um, there's some great video on YouTube, um, which you should type in Willpower 2018 Radio, and you can have a listen to it as well. But he's spoken about it since, and he goes, for him, it just meant so much that he was like, he'd won the second amount of most polls in IndyCar. He's in the top six most race winners, but he felt like his career didn't mean anything until he won the Indy 500. And I think that just emphasizes the importance of the race and how much it values um, to drivers. So, um, yeah, put a smile on your face. Have a have a listen to that. It's incredible. Yeah. What about you, Brock? Well, you got all the build-up. I'd say it's the biggest build-up of any race yep. in the world because it's American. Yep. And, uh, yeah, all the hype, national anthem fly, everything, and then, gentlemen, start your engines, and then that's it. It's yep. all the, all the build-up's over. You go on racing, I reckon those four words. I know they're used widely yeah. in oval racing, but they're so iconic for that event. Yeah, exactly. It's my favourite four the words. The whole crowd just blows up after it. Yeah, I love yeah, it. You know, because yeah. you know that's it. Like, we yeah. are, we are going it's on. racing. It's, it's on now. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. What about you, Adam? Yeah, well, for me, um, one I found earlier and one um, that we've been speaking about through before, but one was Bobby Hunter, um, how he comes out and said, uh, success is where preparation and opportunity meet for that so I guess that kind of sums up a bit what Indy's there and then one speaking about the I guess my favorite race where we spoke about before 92 with it uh Alan Jr um for that uh for for that there it goes uh you just don't know what Indy means after he won I guess you know coupled him with that 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 shows what he what it means yeah. to him that was when he was talking to Jack Aroot in Victory Lane and what did what did Jack Aroot ask him? It was yes. What he um, Alan started to have some tears in his eyes, and he's like, "He goes, you're pretty emotional." He's like, "Is that some tears I can see?" Yeah, and then he then he added that line, and yeah, right. That that's very uh, very telling. Yeah. yeah, especially as we found out in many years past, just how much it meant to him. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, actually, my quote was from '92, Al Junior as well, but from the um, the ABC pre-race show, the with the great Delta Force theme behind it. Mm was where he goes, um, you know, he's uh, our junior. When they ask him a question, he replies that um, when it comes to winning the Indy 500, he goes, um, money doesn't matter, living doesn't matter, winning's the only thing that matters. I think that sums up That sums up what it means, what people are willing mm. to risk. And three to, hours uh, later. Doing the yeah, race. Yeah. And yeah, three hours later he did. Okay, well, that'll about do us for today's podcast. Make sure you tune in to Fox Sports on Monday morning Australian time to watch the 2020 Indy 500 live. Please also make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and give us a rating and spread the word to your family and friends and head to our Facebook and Instagram page to give us a like and a follow. Search Motor Racing Passion on Facebook and on Instagram search Motor Racing Passion as one word, all in lowercase. On both platforms, in addition to the podcast information, we've got a great archive of family photos we are putting up from the last 30 plus years of attending race meetings and this week we've added a bunch of pictures from our Indy 500 trips in the past. On behalf of Daniel, Adam and Brock, I'm Luke Blattman. Thank you for listening and join us again soon for the next podcast. Motor Racing Passion is produced by Luke Ryan for Tom Drum Media. <laughs>